Welcome to 45 Days. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Julia Ritchie. This week was marked by tragedy when a 19-year-old opened fire on his high school in South Florida, killing 17 people. The Utah legislature paused for a moment of silence Thursday to honor the victims, and even Mitt Romney postponed for a day his Senate announcement. This is the 18th school shooting this year, and while Red State Utah isn't even close to discussing gun control, school shootings are on the minds of lawmakers. This week, the legislature passed a bill that will let school districts modify their buildings to put more more secure locks on their doors in case of a shooting or a lockdown. But Republican lawmakers still don't want to mess with gun control, and they say it's more of a mental health problem. Short of an outlaw of all guns, you're, you're going to be faced with uh, somebody that has the ability to have a, a weapon, and, and that's, a second, that's a Second Amendment right. So probably the focus should be more towards um, trying to solve some of the mental illness issues that we have. That was Senate President Wayne Niederhauser repeating a line that we often hear from conservative politicians after an event like this. Uh, I will say that the Utah uh, legislature has addressed mental health in a more serious way this year. Uh, Of course, they've been tackling it from the angle of teen suicide. Uh, But for example, they passed a bill that would uh, allow for a Medicaid waiver for mobile crisis outreach centers in rural areas for people who are having a mental health crisis. Unlike years past, there are no major changes to gun laws in Utah this year. But while Republican leaders are towing the party line on the Second Amendment, they appear to be changing their tune on another issue medical marijuana. That's right. This week, the House passed a bill that would allow the Department of Agriculture to grow cannabis for medical use and academic research. Barely passed. It actually failed on its first run and then squeaked through the House on a 38 to 31 margin. FYI, 38 is the minimum number of votes you need to pass the House. And this bill follows another companion piece of legislation that allows terminally ill patients to use cannabis. They're calling it right to try. Uh, They needed to pass both in order for patients to actually acquire the marijuana because it's actually still illegal to transport it over state lines. So it's not like you can just go buy it wholesale at Costco in Colorado. But it's worth pointing out again that this is by no means headed for the governor's desk yet because the Senate still has to weigh in, but they haven't shot it down yet. So what's different about this year, Nicole? Well, there is that little ballot initiative we told you about a couple weeks ago. Lawmakers have a small window here to try to undercut that and pass a far narrower version of legalized medical cannabis, so the pressure is certainly on. And, of course, they want to show voters that they can actually do something after four years of trying and failing and seeing other states legalize much quicker. My favorite moment this week was during a press availability with Senators and Fox 13's Ben Winslow. A friend of the pod. Yes, Ben asked Senate leadership if they'd ever tried marijuana. Any of y'all tried marijuana? Uh, no. You lived through the 60s? Come on. (laughs) I grew up in the 70s. Okay. Actually, the first year medical marijuana came up in the legislature was in 2015. Senator Mark Madsen ran that bill. He's no longer in the legislature. But when he unveiled the bill, there was a lot of chatter. And Ben actually asked him, have you ever tried marijuana? And he surprised everybody by saying, yeah, under the direction of my doctor, I went to Colorado and tried it. That kind of reminds me of Bill Clinton's famous line back in the 90s. When I was in England... I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. Classic. 
Uh, a bill that has made it through both chambers finally is the resolution to replace the statue of television inventor Philo Farnsworth with suffragette and America's first female state lawmaker, Martha Hughes Cannon. This bill has really grabbed a lot of attention. The House passed it this week to a packed gallery made up mostly of women and girls wearing their hashtag send Martha buttons and t-shirts. It was a pretty fun vote. Whenever the gallery started to applaud, House Speaker Greg Hughes would tell them to pipe down and gavel. The goal here is to get Martha Hughes Cannon in place at the U.S. Capitol Statuary Hall in 2020 to mark the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. Duh. Unfortunately, not everybody knows what the 19th Amendment does. That is unfortunate. So this is the legislative half point, FYI. Yeah. Uh, I know, right? But we still don't have a budget because lawmakers don't know how much extra they have to spend. Of course, that hasn't stopped them from proposing a lot of spendy items, which we talked about a little bit last week. And lawmakers are still dropping bills like there's no tomorrow. This week, we saw bills introduced to outlaw the death penalty, to legalize autonomous vehicles, and to allow Tesla to sell its own cars at that State Street dealership they opened three years ago. There was also a super snarky bill introduced by Representative Dan McKay called the, quote, Joint Rules Resolution Requiring Public Disclosure of Total Bill Request by Legislator, unquote. And if you can't tell by the title, McKay is tired of the glut of bills that get filed every session by a select number of prolific legislators and wants to call them out. So he's subtweeting them. Basically. We also saw movement on some air quality legislation this week, and we'll tell you about that after a quick break. Support for 45 Days This Week comes from San Francisco Design. Whether you're on the hill or just trying to keep up, the legislature is exhausting. You know what's not exhausting? Coming home and relaxing in a living room put together by designers that have been specializing in contemporary home furnishings since 1981. San Francisco Designs has designers that can help with one piece or even outfit your entire home. Located in Salt Lake and Park City or online at sanfrandesign.com. Welcome back. We're joined by KUER's environmental reporter, Judy Faze. Judy was on the Hill this week looking at some bills related to air quality and climate change. Judy, welcome. Hi. <laughs> so lawmakers finally passed a resolution that seemed to acknowledge climate change without actually using the term climate change. What exactly did they do? Well, it was actually really interesting. This was the second year that uh, Representative Becky Edwards of North Salt Lake came forward with this resolution. It was actually recommended by students at Logan High School and sort of cobbled together this coalition that includes companies like Rio Tinto and, uh, and other companies and 15 high schools in the state. So it was a really broad coalition, a lot of environmental groups too. But the way that they did this and the way that they got this through was that, in, if you want to think of it this way, the term climate change for a lot of Republicans is like a slur. It's like it's like if you use the term climate change and you buy into it, you're basically saying I'm I'm a liberal progressive. <laughs> and so that's what they're trying to avoid. The worst thing you can be in Utah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And so this the way that the Becky Edwards and her coalition put her, together their resolution, it's like 
you would have to love it. It's about mom, apple pie, and kittens. You know, <laughs> you, you because it talks about clean energy and a healthy economy, and those are the the areas of overlap and agreement on climate change that people often don't acknowledge. And um, and it's our water supply is about climate change. Our um, air quality, to some extent, is a little bit about uh, climate change. So basically what they did was they talked about mom, apple pie, and kittens, and, and that had to do with, you know, of course we're innovative. Of course we're, we're um, intelligent with our resources and, and, and stewardship. They use the word stewardship, they which is kind word. of a buzzword, yeah. I think, for people here. And so it, it does mention the changing climate, mm-hmm. but it doesn't say climate change or global warming, which I think a lot of Republicans think um, Al Gore ruined um, when he uttered those words. But there was another resolution, right, by Representative Ray Ward that didn't get traction. Can you kind of break down what happened yeah. there? Well, that's because, in a way, um, Ray Ward is also a Republican from Davis County, um, but he's he's a physician, and the first words in the general description of the title of the bill are, well, in the title of the bill, it's Concurrent Resolution on Climate Change. Yikes. Compare this with <laughs> the Becky Edwards one, which is Concurrent Resolution on Environmental and Economic Stewardship. Yeah. She had to put economic in there. Kittens. <laughs> Kittens. That's all I can say is kittens. Um, and then the the Ray Ward uh, one, again, says climate change right out of the bat. And it basically sort of rubs people's nose in the fact that there's all this scientific data and all that. And it sort of triggers this reaction, I think. And so I think that's probably why it had a harder time moving forward. Meanwhile, we had the hottest year or hottest summer on record, right? <laughs> yeah, the third hottest year, the, the hottest summer on record. And those... Um, statistics keep piling up. So just a quick question. What do resolutions do, right? We talk a lot about Utah legislature and resolutions they pass. We mentioned the Martha Hughes Cannon one earlier in the episode. What's the importance of actually passing a resolution on climate change or the changing climate? Mm, I think that's a really good question because I don't know if it really does anything except for it brings awareness. It, It stimulates a political discussion that really needs to be had in the state. I think if you, um, one of the things that I've learned in my reporting elsewhere is that there's like a group of BYU students who who want to give Republicans cover to start thinking and talking about climate change openly. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really know how to do that, but they're trying to make it uh, less sensitive, less, uh, less explosive. So again, uh, the resolution doesn't actually accomplish anything. We don't have to pay anything. There is no carbon tax or, or anything along those lines. It's just, let's factor this into our decisions on on when we're deciding on water, or we're deciding on uh, what kind of energy to develop and promote. So another hot button issue at the legislature every year is air quality. How are lawmakers tackling that this year? Well, it's interesting. I think you'll hear this uh, phrase used a lot, and, and that's that the states um, already uh, picked a lot of the low-hanging fruit on on air quality. And, you know, I don't want to minimize the fact that, that we have an air quality problem, because we do. The EPA says it's serious, um, and the state's really going to have to buckle down even more to try to find some answers. But... Um, there aren't there aren't really big sweeping changes that can be made, and the biggest sweeping change that is being made is a is one that has to do with federal law. That's the clean car, clean fuel law, which the legislature is already promoting by 
giving the refineries a bit of a tax break so that mm-hmm. they can upgrade their equipment a little bit. They passed that last session. And that was in the last session. So that's all done. So the the, the big items on the air quality um, agenda right now, it's basically about a million dollars worth of funding. And uh, most of those things made it onto the funding priority list. So yeah, there's about a million dollars that's in the 25 items. My guess is that maybe the top six or eight will get funded in the end. And that means that there may not be a whole lot of uh, air quality improvements. And that's mostly things like science because our, again, the low hanging fruit, the easy solutions have already been adopted. So the state's trying to figure out, well, what's the science of this? Is there is there a thread that we can pull out of this uh, chemical chain reaction that will uh, sort of undo the pollution problem that that we have here? Um, and they don't have an answer to that. They're working on it, but that's been a multi-year process. And there isn't there is money for investing in that here, and also with complying with the state law. There were two pieces of legislation that advanced this week. One is by Representative Stephen Handy, and it would help uh, buy technology for what are called freight switchers in the rail yards in Ogden and Salt Lake, um, and that technology helps them reduce their diesel emissions. There's a, a bunch of different kinds of things that happen in our world that are not regulated and and emissions from trains is one of them. So this is something that you have to ask the companies to do and you have to provide an incentive just like with the refineries Mm -hmm. um, and the and the clean fuel. So uh, there's that's a two million dollar request and I don't see that on the funding list but um, I might be looking at the wrong list. So I guess we have until the end of the session to figure that out. The other bill um, is a bill that would bring Utah County into the fold on emissions testing for diesel, um, uh, light and medium duty trucks. Um, they're currently not in the uh, in the under the umbrella of having to get emissions tests like all of us do uh, for our cars on is the West and Trent counties. Why? Um, diesel wasn't included in a lot of the, you know, it's a county by county decision okay. about the emissions testing. So, yeah, Utah County hasn't done that. Although I think uh, in the testimony in the committee, there was talk about how the, the county, different cities were, were perfectly on board with it. I mean, why not? No big deal. Um, but there's some resistance to that. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I think it'll probably go forward. It's like one of the tiny little things we can do to incrementally move forward. Well, thank you, Judy, our environmental reporter, for joining us. Sure. <laughs> This session, we are taking listener questions and posing them to lawmakers. A lot of questions coming through our submission form have to do with, you guessed it, air quality, which we just talked about. Ellen wrote to ask lawmakers straight up, what are you doing to address our poor air quality? Sarah wants to know, besides research, what are lawmakers and the state government doing to curb pollution along the Wasatch Front? And Gerald asked what the legislature's plans are for our smog problem. Well, we just heard from Judy about some of the air quality bills lawmakers are pushing this year. But another question people are asking is, are these bills enough? And I talked to Representative Steve Handy about that. We heard about his bill that would set aside about $2 million to retrofit some of those locomotives that belch black smoke to cut down on emissions there. So the first thing I asked him was just that. Is the legislature doing enough to combat air quality? We know from all the analysis by the scientists that our air is is in fact cleaner than it has been uh, for the past 10 years today. 
there's no question about that. But we have a growing population. We have to be vigilant. The legislature has so many pressures on it for so many good things, but we have to keep this in front of uh, the leadership around here and our constituents continually to rank air quality as one or two in the top priorities of things they want us to get done. So dang well, we better work on it. And uh, we always talk about that we've plucked a lot of the low-hanging fruit, but I believe that the, the freight locomotives uh, is a, a low-hanging fruit that can be plucked. Now, the challenge is we can't, as the state of Utah, just impose that on the railroads. The, they are protected by federal regulations. So we're trying to work with them in a cooperative way to clean up these old locomotives. Are there other air quality bills um, this session that you are excited about or think will help solve this problem? There are two other appropriations that I'm championing, that I'm sponsoring, and both of them have to do with hiring additional people at the Division of Air Quality, some scientists. One is called Stack Test Scientist, and the other has to do with really analyzing emissions in a more in-depth way than they've had the ability to do before. So I'm hopeful those are small appropriations, kind of $100,000 each as opposed to this $2 million for the freight switchers. But uh, we can make some good progress, but we've got to have good data and continually analyze what's going on with the air we breathe. Total appropriations for air quality legislation this year about $3 million. Is $3 million enough? I think it's about right. It's interesting that the freight switcher is two million of the three million, and uh, but uh, I would hope that this legislature would send a strong message to our constituents that we're committed to improvements in air quality by approving most of these projects. Thanks to Representative Handy for answering our questions. If you have more questions, please send them our way by going to our website and submitting through our Ask a Lawmaker form. Let's take another quick break. I want to take a moment to shout out The Good Line for supporting this podcast. If you're building a brand, these guys can help you with websites, film, design. They're all about finding and telling stories that bring together a full brand experience. Check out the new Radio West Films website to find out what that means, or you can see what else they do at thegoodline.com. Youth suicide has been a huge point of discussion this year with several bills proposed to help tackle the problem. Republican Representative Steve Ellison is championing a lot of those bills, and he's the subject of this week's Better Know a Lawmaker. Steve Ellison is a Republican representing District 45 in the Utah House that includes Sandy, Midvale, and Cottonwood Heights. He serves on several different committees, including education appropriations, health and human services, and revenue and taxation. Representative Ellison, welcome to Better Know a Lawmaker. Thank you. So first of all, tell me how you got into state politics. Uh, it's kind of funny. It actually started at intermission at uh, Hale Center Theater Play. And I saw a former representative, and I just said, hey, what is it like to serve? And next week, I got a call from somebody encouraging me to run. And a few days later, I was swearing the oath of candidacy. So it was uh, kind of fast and furious. You weren't appointed, though, right? No. Okay. No, I actually, what they didn't tell me is that running against an incumbent, at least nationally, you only have about a 7% chance of winning. I found that out after I'd filed to run, and I was running against an incumbent. But it, 
turned out okay. So the last few years, you've run legislation dealing with suicide, opioids, and substance abuse, mental health, really heavy issues. What got you started down that path? On the, on the suicide prevention uh, question, it actually really stemmed from a father who just lost his son in my district. And he was one of three children in my local middle school who had passed away that year. And he tearfully pleaded to do something about the issue. And as I started to research it, I realized it is an issue we can do something about. And states that have focused on it have been able to reduce their rates in some cases, or at least slow the rates. And so that's really my ultimate objective is to see our numbers uh, go down. You are running a bill um, about the mental health crisis line. Um, it's been called Hannah's Bill after a teenager that took her own life after the last call on her phone went to a crisis line and nobody picked it up. Um, and it's one of those things that never should happen, right? How, how do you even find out about these huge gaps that sometimes are easily overlooked? Yeah, so we created a, or ran a bill last session, me and Senator Thatcher sponsored it, that created the Crisis Line Commission to just evaluate um, our crisis response in the state of Utah. Few people know this, last year there was approximately 60,000 calls by Utahns to crisis lines. And we, as we studied the issue, we found out we had about roughly 20 crisis lines, but only one of them was being answered uh, 24-7, 365 by licensed clinical social workers. So this bill is the result of the work of the Crisis Commission, which is a very collaborative, broad-based group. And uh, basically it seeks to make sure that no call for help ever goes unanswered. That if a crisis line uh, wants to operate, they just need to make sure they have rollover so another crisis line can take those calls and that uh, the people answering those calls have a, a minimum level of training. It's passed every committee and the House so far unanimously. It, it does have a, a fiscal note of $2.5 million, but I think that's a small price to pay that will benefit so many Utah citizens that uh, really are looking for some, some, some help. What else can the state do in addressing these issues and reducing the suicide rate? You know, there's a lot of things we're doing at the state level, but the most important things that I believe we can do are within the, the, the four walls of our you know, homes, and that's watching out for one another. If we see somebody who's withdrawing, becoming depressed, maybe have had some major life events that have been disappointing, um, have the candid discussion. Don't be afraid to ask them, how are you doing? And if you, know, you sense that they are uh, feeling down and it's lasted for some time, um, ask them you know, if they ever thought about hurting themselves. And if they say yes, uh, don't, don't judge them. And just say, you know, have, you, have you made a plan? And if they have, then that's when you need to get them professional help. You can always call the crisis line, 801-587-3000 or 1-800-273-TALK. And even somebody who's not in crisis can call those numbers for advice on how to help a loved one or a friend. Another critical thing that parents can do, and I plead with them, is to safely secure their firearms, particularly if there's youth in the home. We've lost seven children this year all to firearms in the past five weeks and they're almost all related to unsecured firearms. It's so easy to lock up their weapons, keep the ammunition and the firearms stored separately and they have a great chance of saving their child's life uh, from death by suicide if they do that simple thing. 
this is a really hard topic. How do you find the motivation to come back to it year after year? Um, it's a good question. Actually, when I hear stories of loss and tragedy, um, it motivates me because not only is an individual lost their life, whether it be an adult or a child, in the case of a child, they may have cut off 70 years off their life. Last year, the estimate is we lost 3,000 years of life as a result of the approximately 45 uh, young people who died. And knowing that this is an area we can make a difference in um, just motivates me to work on it even harder. Thanks to Representative Steve Ellison for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll chat with Democratic Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk about how her final session is going. And remember, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes so that we know what you like and what we can change. 45 Days is a production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. For more local news and legislative coverage, visit our website at KUER.org. And a quick plug, we had a bonus episode this week on the influence of the Mormon Church on the state legislature, so please check that out in your feed if you haven't yet. Yes, and follow KUER on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are getting tired, but we're still trying to post pics and videos of the daily happenings at the Capitol. So tired. You can also tweet me at underscore Nixo. And I'm at Julia Ritchie. See you next week.